Your wishes come true, Mariah, because here is the What the Football Christmas Party special. And do we have a Christmas cracker of a show lined up for all our special listeners, no matter if you've been naughty or nice. I'm Patrick Gilbert, and during the course of the party, I will be introducing a number of guests to you, some of them new to you all. And they will be taking part in our favourite segments and giving us a fresh perspective. But before I do that, let's say hello to our two regular hosts who are just standing over there. Under the mistletoe, is it? Hello, Con and Dan. Glory, glory, man united. Hey, Dan. Oh, and I'm singing his favourite shower song again. <laughs> what I didn't a expect song. to find you guys under the mistletoe. You go, you're getting on okay at the moment. I think Dan's trying <laughs> to kiss and make up with me after what happened on Sunday. <laughs> not, a, not a chance, not a chance. <laughs> We will definitely get into the Liverpool versus Man Manchester United game. And do we have to? We do have to, unfortunately, Dan. And it will probably come up during, during our first segment of the show, which is what the football observations. But before we get started, let me introduce to you one of our first guests. Welcome to, to the show, Sanjay. Uh, thanks, Patrick. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Very well, thank you. What... So Sanjay's from Australia, um, and what team do you support, Sanjay? Uh, well, Man United. Sorry? <laughs> Man United. No, I, I heard you. I'm just sorry. <laughs> so, so Sanjay, as a Manchester United supporter, give me a rundown of what you think the, what you think the ways to solve the current problems there. Oh, great question. Um, I think in a, probably in a nutshell, it, should, it shouldn't, a, shouldn't be much. Shouldn't in, be much. Yeah, <laughs> in a nutshell, probably getting in some players that want to play for Man United. That's probably the first key criteria. Um, I think that's probably for me the main main thing. You know, having players that are passionate about playing for the club more than anything else. Um, so you, I think the rest would sort itself out once that's in place. Who doesn't want to play for Man United, Max? Well, looking at it on current, you know, from all the games that I've seen this season, we've seen players who are playing probably not in with the same intensity um, as some of the other clubs. Now, that could be down to tactics. It could be down to training. It could be down to a number of reasons. But, I mean, case in point for me would be, you know, Paul Pogba this season. Um, just in terms of the number of times he's been dispossessed and, you know, the lack of effort in terms of trying to uh, get the ball back. As phenomenally talented as he is, he cannot be carried in a team um, where he's playing in central midfield and loses possession of the ball and doesn't try and recover it. Are, are you call calling Pogba dishonest? 
Uh, no, I'm not calling him dishonest. I just don't think his commitment to the cause is uh, 110%. I wouldn't say whether that's honest or dishonest. Um, I don't know whether he's fully committed to the cause. Whether that's honest or dishonest, that's that's a separate question. It's whether he's got the, you know, the passion for the club to represent the shirt in every game at 100%. That's the that's the the question for someone like Paul Pogba. Um, Given he's a leader of the, yeah, of the team. Sorry? Is Pogba the root cause of the problem? Um, it's... It's and Francis created. He's... He's top of the pile. Well, he's the main main star of the team at the moment. I'd say he's probably the biggest player, one of the biggest players that we've got in in that position in central midfield. And I think all our posi- most of our problems stem from the lack of midfield possession or control of all the games that we seem to be having. Either it's lack of creativity, or it's just the lack of or the movement of the ball seems to be very slow in midfield. It just doesn't seem to be happening quickly. And there just doesn't seem to be that intensity in midfield, more so than anywhere else. Um, I think the defensive problems can be sorted out because looking at last season, we had a very good defense. We've still got the same defenders. I don't see that being the long-term problem. I actually think midfield needs to be resolved. And I thought Matic would help Pogba, but that hasn't seemed to have happened because Matic's movement um, doesn't seem to be great. Um, Although on the ball, he's okay, but he's just very slow. So it's when we're in transition, in the transition where we lose the ball, that Matic cannot recover. Uh, Pogba does not seem to put in the same effort, and that leaves any third midfielder in that three trying to cover for the other two. There but, certainly does seem to be a, a lot of discussion around the lack of work rate and intensity of a lot of the Man United players, and, and that supports your point a bit, Sanjay, doesn't it, about them not working hard enough for the jumper? And well, sort of, you, it, it sort of helps you, helps Jose out a little bit in terms of, okay, he's he's not getting the players working hard. And some people say it's his fault and some people say it's not his fault. Well, it's um, a difficult but, one because when you watch when you watch Rashford playing or you watch Lingard playing, you're looking at the commitment and you're looking at you know, mm, the amount definitely. of tracking back. There's, you know, there's no lack of effort over there on their part. Um, Lukaku's role is very different because his role is to actually push, you know, further forward and to actually play off almost, you know, push back against the center half. So he's not going to be up and down, running up and down because that's not his role. His role is to actually stretch the play and bring the others into play there, in my opinion. So that's why the long balls are to him. You'd then expect if he's getting on the end of things, which he didn't against Liverpool, and bring things down, you'd then expect your midfield players to actually then have the second level of attack and pick up those balls, which he's, you know, bringing down to get onto them. And push yeah. forward, and that's where I'm not seeing the intensity from Pogba either going forward to get on to the end of that, or you know when you lose possession, which he does at times, to actually then you know try and recover the ball as quickly as possible. And I'm pointing out Pogba not because I think Pogba is being dishonest, but I think because he's our biggest star on the pitch, and considering you know the importance of a player in that position, I think looking back at it historically all the teams that have succeeded have got a very good central strong central midfielder in place who can actually you know carry out that box to box type role which is what essentially Pogba has been brought to do it's interesting isn't it is Pogba the reason why Sanchez isn't performing at United uh, I, I, oh, I hang think... on we've got someone new in the party <laughs> oh, who's that me, who's that Amol's just guy crushed the party so let me introduce <laughs> everyone our new guest sorry is, his name is Amol from Melbourne Welcome, Amal, to the Christmas party. 
Hello, everyone. Thanks, Pat. Sorry, what, what was your comment? Oh, I just couldn't resist uh, asking uh, one of my one of my favorite players uh, who I've watched over the last four or five years uh, in Sanchez, and I just asked Sanjay the question: that is, is Pogba one of the reasons why Sanchez hasn't shined at United? Uh, no, I don't think so, because I think Sanchez this season has actually, considering has played in limited capacity, he has actually done okay, you know, in the sense that he hasn't been losing the ball in the same way that he did last season. When he joined us at the start, you know, in January, between January and the end of last season, the number of times he was dispossessed and just lost the ball in dangerous areas um, ended up causing a lot of problems for us, especially when we're in attacking transition. He'd lose the ball and then there wouldn't be anyone to recover the ball. Again, you know, there wouldn't be anyone behind him to actually pick that ball up. So we have a lot of cases where you know, Sanchez lost the ball last season. This year is doing better on the ball if, if you look at his numbers as well. But I don't think that he's got the confidence that he had previously. That's partly to do with it. The other thing is I think he's just not making the right sort of runs. Are, are you a... Sanjay. Sorry, Connor. I just want to ask Sanjay. Are you a... I'm dying. I'm dying. Are you a Jose Mourinho fan? Sorry, me or yeah, Sanjay? I just want to know: Are you a uh, supporter and a fan of Jose Mourinho? I've never been a fan of Jose Mourinho, but I, I think in terms of what he delivers, in terms of trophies, he tends to deliver them wherever he goes. So, on one side, his football isn't the style of football that I would like to see at Man United. On the other side, if he's going to deliver, you know, a Premier League trophy every season or every other season, then you know it's kind of like a difficult debate: Do you get rid of someone who can almost bring you a trophy in every couple of seasons, a major? trophy now if he cannot bring a major trophy in every couple of seasons then the question becomes do you end up putting up with him whilst he ends up redeveloping the squad to, to uh, in his own image as it were interesting he, he had a few words to say about you too Sanjay I'm sure he would this, this is what he had to say you know he's a specialist in failure so Con do you want to say something yes Sanjay? oh my goodness I've been chomping at the bit to get in here on Sanjay um, look, some good points there, Sanjay, but, mate, surely let's just get down to what it actually is. You can't have players um, or tell me that it's the players' lack of motivation or desire. Or it seemed a similar thing that uh, Mourinho was saying on Saturday after the game. That is the manager's core job. That is why they are employed. They come in there to get the best out of the players that they currently have. Now, you have players like Pogba. Rashford, Martial, Lukaku, really great attacking options. To me, the, 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 the problem is a lot deeper than just simply um, the player's lack of desire for, for that particular manager. It's the fact that you look at the type of players that have been signed, and I'm not too sure who signs off on the players that come in at United, but you know, Martial in particular, probably Rashford, and probably uh, Pogba in particular out of all of them, they're not specialists in any one of the positions that they actually play. They're quite diverse players and adaptable. And you look at the way that Mourinho's previous teams have always been, he generally tries to get in particular players that play certain positions, like your one, Matt, uh, sorry, your Matic of the, of the world, particular players that suit the style of play that he actually has. Do United even have the players to actually carry out the instructions of what Jose wants, number one? And number two, you spoke of trophies. Mate, he does not last any longer than three years. So if he hasn't delivered by now, 
and there's no chance of winning the Premier League, the Champions League, or even being close. The very reason you bring in a Jose is to actually win the major trophies. Now, I don't know if standards have dropped, but the Charity Shield and the Europa League or the FA Cup or whatever it was he won a few years ago, probably on high priorities on United's list. Um, if he's not delivering those elite titles, then what is the point of even sticking with somebody like him? Con, that's a great point. That's actually something that I was thinking about over the weekend because I, I've been a supporter of Mourinho primarily because he brings trophies to whichever clubs he, he goes to. And he brings major trophies to whichever clubs he, he goes to. Yeah. Now, when he when the, the biggest thing for me on Sunday when we played Liverpool, which I'm sure Pat will uh, come to sooner or later, was not his team selection because, I mean, Alex Ferguson has played away from home with, you know, a defensive formation and things like that. It wasn't even the lack of possession that concerned me. Um, I mean, starting off with, a, you know, a 3-2, you know, or a 5-2-3 formation or almost seeded possession in midfield to Liverpool right from the outset, which, you know, is completely un-United-like. Um, so it wasn't even that. It was more so at the end of the game where rather than say, okay, we went with a defensive formation and, you know, it didn't work out. I put my hands up and I got it wrong. He didn't actually put his hand up at all to say, yep, we, we either we had a lack of players, but we went with this formation and it hasn't worked out. He started pointing to injuries and injury records and all sorts yeah. of other things, which... You know, which in you know in other cases might be valid, but not in this instance because the depth of our squad means we've got two quality players in every position. Um, looking at you know other teams now who are suffering injuries in defense, we've still got international defenders in pretty much every single position other than right back. And right back, he chooses not to play Valencia for whatever reason that might be. Um, and he's brought in Dalot, who's pretty inexperienced. Uh, that's his choice, but it's more so in terms of the excuse that he gave after the game when he made the call to set up a defensive formation and not then put up his hand and say, yep, I've got the defensive formation wrong and it didn't work out today. And there's no, you know, there's no, um, you know, there's nothing wrong with going with a defensive team to a place like Anfield, especially when you're not in a good moment and especially when Liverpool are yeah. playing in such strong way, they you wouldn't have got any criticism, you know, because a lot of teams, even Pep with his, with his attacking flair went with a relatively con conservative formation, a conservative game plan going yeah. to Anfield. I, I yeah. mean, there wouldn't have been any disrespect had he come out with that sort of statement. It was the statement that he came out with, which concerned me more um, blaming the injuries and the, conditioning and all that sort of thing around the players. And I think mm. he should have taken, you know, put his hand up and taken ownership of that loss. And I think I would have had far more respect for him in that instance. He's a perfect for Man United. And you guys, Con and Pat might back me up. I said it before he even came to Man United. I said he's yeah. a perfect for Man United for a number of reasons. Um, and whether United winning trophies, it's about the way he wins. Football, after all, is entertainment, and that is what people want. If he wins trophies playing terrible football, that is not what I want as a United supporter, certainly. Yeah. Um, so that that has definitely not made clear to him. What he has not made clear to his team is definitely the tactics that he wants to employ. employ. Yeah. Whether he's going with a defensive um, strategy, that's that's one thing. But what actually are the tactics? 
do the team know? Were they pressing, were they pressing high against Liverpool? Was it a low block? Were they playing an offside trap? They seemed to know what was going on. You know, in point two or three will press on the back pass to Allison, but the defensive line is still so low that obviously you're going to open up gaps in the midfield. Um, I think that's I think that's where the second goal was created. The first goal, Ashley Young's playing him completely onside. He's a defensive liability. This is this is surely well known. And he wasn't even um, marking him. He just he actually went further away from him as he got the ball. Well, were they playing an offside trap? We don't know. They mm. don't seem to have. They don't seem to have a, t- a tactic that they are employing and all working towards. It really just seems totally off the cuff, um, which is which is a completely strange thing coming from Mourinho, who is a who is who has who has we've seen his teams before, Chelsea, Inter. The, the were very clear in what he was employing, but at the yeah. moment with United, people don't even have to try and figure them out because they haven't even figured themselves out yet. <laughs> yeah, that is that is strange, isn't it? Normally, Mourinho teams can know how to defend and they're organised. That's just not the case. Pat, and I will Pat, and I will back you up, Dan. I mean, you you were not excited when Mourinho came, and and, and this is from someone that was a big staunch David Moyes supporter and to a lesser extent a Van Gaal supporter, but you were not happy with Mourinho, were you, when he came in? So, so well, yeah. going back to it wasn't even a case of being a David Moyes supporter. What I said then is that there's got to be patience in in what in what the plan is and there's got to be a long term plan. Which they didn't they didn't do for Moyes, for better or worse, we'll we'll never know. But this has now been two or three short-term plans after that, and this is where, and this is, and this is the result of that—a totally confused and unmotivated team. Okay, so let's let's get onto our first uh, segment: the what the football observation. So this is where each of us give one observation of the week. Uh, we're a very polite mob here at What the Football. So, how about? We get let our guests kick us off. So Sanjay, do you do you have a an observation you made over the weekend? Well, actually, I had an interesting observation over the weekend. I don't know if any of you guys spotted it, but uh, the snood seemed to be getting larger and larger. And I think one of the snood <laughs> that uh, Klopp had almost went halfway across his face, almost <laughs> covering his eyes. So I'm thinking in a couple of seasons we'll be getting to a South Park sort of phase, you know, where you, know, where you won't see anything, you know, off. Of the manager or the players who were, you know, sitting on the bench with these snoods. What, what does Klopp wear at game? Do they just give him whatever's not selling in the in the club shop? Because he just <laughs> seems to wear random stuff. There we go. I think it's his mandate, yeah. And then once he wears it, it starts selling. Oh, they they put twenty percent off it or something. Yeah. Very good <laughs> observation, Sanjay. I liked it. Um, Amor, do you have an observation for us? Yeah, well, um, um, the one observation, which is uh, a clear observation throughout the season, has been Arsenal's defence has been weak uh, on the on the weekend. Uh, it really came to light that it's actually more than weak. It's, it was actually pathetic. And and we'll talk about how Southampton scored the three goals that they got uh, against uh, the three 
uh, defenders. So, well, 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 give, give, give us an observation about how they scored because I think I, I think we know that Arsenal's defence is a bit weak. So I had, I had, observe, how did Southampton actually score three-headed goals? Got one striker against three defenders and none of them are marking him. It was just plain <laughs> one-on-one defence uh, and mm. all three are playing zonal positions around him. And, and, and they, they're just, he's just scoring goals at will. Um, it was just pathetic. I mean, I, it was really embarrassing, actually, when we saw that. And that just, I mean, I, I knew our defence is weak. Uh, and obviously, it's our, it's our Achilles heel. But uh, on the weekend, it goes to show that we've got so much work to, to do out there. Again, having the wrong players playing in defence is another issue, um, which we'll talk about later. In term, case in point here is, is Gareth Xhaka. Um, but that's also partly because of the injuries. Again, um, it's just not... Um, uh, it's a pathetic performance, and that was something that I observed over the weekend. The yeah, course. well, one of my my pet hates. You've got three centre backs, you've got one forward, and none of them are man marking him. So you think you got you're playing three central defenders? Just have one of them go tight on the striker, and let yeah. the other two play a zonal a zonal there. I mean, it doesn't make sense that you just let him do what he wants when you've got three on one. Um, I, I should I should have. Uh, properly introduce him all. He is a big Arsenal supporter, as you can probably tell. Um, and uh, so he will be giving us a few good Arsenal observations and will be taking a bit of the heat off me after Arsenal's first loss of the weekend. And just speaking, speaking of uh, that game, uh, Con, I wanted to ask you, what, what what's your favourite Teletubby character? Is it Tinky Winky? Is it Lala? Or is it Hassan Hootel? I was a fan of Hassan Hootel, actually. Yeah, very good. Very <laughs> impressive start. I love I love how he runs around the sidelines, under the pitch. and He's a bit like a, a psycho Klopp, isn't he? He's a little well, bit... He, I mean, if you can call, if you can have a more psycho version of Klopp, that's that's who we got there. Well, he is called the Alpine Klopp, so clearly uh, the air is a lot thinner where he's from. <laughs> okay, Con, do you want to continue and give us your observation? Yeah, I think um, well, it's back to the United Liverpool game, but no, of course, this is, this is a tactical. I'm sensing a theme, I'm sensing a trend. Come, <laughs> look, I think from a tactical point of view, I actually think that Klopp outsmarted Mourinho and probably a lot of us. If you look at the way we've set up in all the major games, and I, I say major games as in all the the historically, as uh, Jose put it, historically huge clubs, we've set up the 4-3-3 in pretty much every game, and that includes the Champions League. So there was an anticipation that that would be continued. And to, to be fair to Jose, um, as much as I hate giving him any sort of credit, he set up the way that he's always set up coming to Anfield or playing against Liverpool, which is effectively with a three at the back, which effectively turns into a five. Um, and then obviously the four dropping in and Lukaku basically playing as the lone striker in previous seasons. You had Ibrahimovic, I think it was, um, in that one season. And to be fair, we haven't, we haven't won against United in the Premier League, I think, since 2013. So the tactics have always been clear. Um, and I think specifically with Jose, to set up in that way to basically block the channels out wide, both on the left and right, which then forces us into this crappy sideways passing um, which then negates our entire attack and the game basically peters out or United are able to, to nick a win. I think I was actually shocked and I was, I was kind of hoping that it went this way. But when I saw us set up in a more uh, fluid 4-2-3-1, uh, 
it allowed us complete domination, as Sanjit said, of the midfield. I mean, I couldn't believe the amount of possession we were actually gaining in that midfield. Fellaini, uh, not Fellaini, sorry, Matic and the like could not get anywhere near when Aldum and Cato were effectively playing in between the lines. And if you look at specifically Cato's positioning, he was kind of playing um, in the half spaces between, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but on the right-hand side was Damian and uh, United's winger. I can't remember what it was. might have been Rashford. But effectively playing in between those lines and, and, and Robertson uh, creating that support for him. So it allowed us complete and utter domination of that midfield from the offset. It also allowed us to press a lot higher um, in certain instances. So our press was very selective in the way that it was done with Firmino effectively starting it and then players supporting from behind in Wijnaldum um, and others and Fabinho. And having someone like Fabinho, um, he's a very much a, a natural six because he has so much more facets to his game. And I hate to say it, uh, but he has a lot more facets to his game than someone like Henderson because not only is he able to pick out passes and break up play, but he's a very much a front foot um, number six and that he wants to win tackles. And when he wins tackles, he's effectively always looking for that forward pass, mm. whether it be to link up the play with someone like Cato or Firmino Ebers dropping in or a ball over the top, as he showed with that execution of, of Mane. So technically, he's a, he's a brilliant player. So my observation specifically was, I just think Jose planned for 4-3-3. He got completely dumbfounded when he saw the way in which we set up. And, you know, that may be his own undoing at the end. But we were allowed the space with the formation that we had to effectively dictate the play. And I've probably never seen a better 20 minutes in that sense where United were absolutely, for me, could not control the ball, could not build up play from the back. And I can't count one segment of that opening 20 minutes where they were able to actually build up any sort of momentum from the back up to the front, aside from maybe pumping the odd long ball up. So, observation, Klopp Thanks, is outstanding, Jose. From well, there. gee, the stats are amazing. Was it 36 shots on goal from Liverpool? And, phenomenal. And how many, how many, what was the possession stats? 68 to 32. I think the corners were 16 to 1. Um, it was as if we were playing a, a team at the bottom of the log. Um, <laughs> no, no offense to United, but I've never seen a performance against, even in Liverpool in their shittest times, to be fair. I've never seen a domination like that in terms of every step on the field, let alone 36 shots. To put it in perspective, you know, when we played Southampton or Southampton came to Anfield, I think the maximum we got was 19 shots against them. That's literally double against Manchester United, which is mind-blowing. Jeez. Well, that leads us on to Dan. Um, Dan, there's some, I don't know if your observation has anything to do with the game. Um, be interested to hear it. What do you have? Yeah, I think I touched on it earlier with regards to, to United. Um, and I've said it before a few times. A team has got to have a plan A and a 100% belief in that plan A. And that is the coach's job, obviously, to install that plan and that system and how everybody behaves according to, to that plan. And with United, after two and a half seasons of Jose Mourinho, it is still not clear. And that, and that has to 
will all be on him. If players are confused, that is down to the coaching. If players are injured, that is largely down to the coaching as well. Um, if you look at Arsenal, it's clear what they're working towards as well. Uh, Hassan Huttel has come in at, at Southampton. It's clear there that he is implementing a system that they are going to 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 follow and be 100% committed to. And, and this is not Man City, Liverpool, Chelsea with Surrey. It's very clear. Now, this is not what's happening at, at United. So if the coach cannot get his plans across or he cannot get his to believe in them, then that's a massive indictment on him. And that's something that has to be sorted out immediately because it's it's clear that there is no clear plan. Um, I don't think I don't think practically he was surprised at all uh, by Liverpool setup on on Saturday. It wasn't it wasn't surprising. They've employed that quite often. Um, he was prepared to give up possession in midfield. He was prepared to give up possession in general, which which is fine. Um, but again, then there has to be clear tactics, which how we are going to work without the position. And as I've said, there wasn't, there wasn't how United were operating without, without, um, with, without the ball. Um, I think. Uh, hey, Dan, you're just, you're, you're just very, yeah, you're just breaking up a little bit. See if you can walk around the, to find a bit of better reception while I, ask you a question about it. Yeah. Um, uh, Sanjay was sort of mentioning that, yeah, part of the plan could have, well, could have been that maybe they wanted to hit them on the break and do a long ball up to Lukaku, who would potentially hold it up and then uh, and then bring the midfielders into play. Uh, what one of, it's one of the issues that Lukaku, I think, lost, lost 11 out of 13 one-on-ones with his central defender uh, in, in that situation. And when you've got a, when you've got the biggest centre forward in the league, who cannot hold the ball up and bring the midfielders into play, is is that a big part of the problem that he cannot play that those counter-attacking tactics? Yeah, sure. Because that's if that's your game plan, then obviously that's what your centre forward has got to be good at. And I said it last week, uh, Lukaku is not that type of player. Mm. He's not a hold-up target man. If you if you get him facing defenders and running at them. That's when he's dangerous, and that's how Belgium employed him at the World Cup. Uh, Pogba, who Sanj brought up earlier, completely different player at the World Cup. When he's receiving the ball for France, and the transitions are quick, he's got players ahead of him. He had uh, Griezmann, he had Giroud, he had uh, Mbappe running. When he's when he's receiving the ball for United, that is not the case. Yeah. He'll usually just have He'll usually just have Lukaku, who's obviously going to be tightly marked ahead of him, and, and maybe a player to the side of him, because they're all, they're all worried, worried about getting behind the ball. Um, so, so that's when obviously he's going to hold on the ball and, and get Yeah, exactly. Again. And he makes mistakes and people think he's trying to do too much, and he, but he's got no runners. Okay. Oh. And the stats have shown he's, he can put in the three balls. He has been doing that, and he has created assists. But obviously, those opportunities have got to be there. Otherwise, I'm not sure what you want the player to do. Mm, good point. 
Okay, that, that brings us to my observation of the week. Now, Arsenal's Twitter account runs a hashtag no stupid question session where fans can submit any stupid question to different Arsenal star each week. The other week, for example, I asked Unai Emery how he was managing to balance his acting commitments while managing a Premier League club. He didn't give me a response. This week, it was, <laughs> this week it was Rambo's turn, and he was asked an all-time classic. I will let you listen to Aaron Ramsey's answer before giving you my observation. How much wood could a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck chuck could chuck wood? I don't know. A lot of wood, I don't know. What, what's the question there? I don't know. A lot of wood. Yeah, a lot of wood, I don't know. Rambo? No. It's a joke, Rambo. It's not a proper question. Surely it's not the first time you've heard this, Rambo. You don't sit there going, where's a question in that? It's a limerick. It's a rhyme. It's something a little bit funny. And you all know how much I love Rambo but it got me thinking that Rambo is not a very well-read person. And I suddenly realised why there is a contract standoff. I suspect that Arsenal have actually offered long ago a new contract to Aaron Ramsey, but he hasn't realised because he's still stuck on the first page where it says, to whom it may concern, and he's sitting there going to himself, whom? Now, is a question in that. Ooh. So, poor Rambo, you've got a contract there, mate. Just turn the page. There's numbers on it. Read those numbers. <laughs> That's my, my observation of the week, which brings us on to one person's favourite segment. And that's got to be Dan booging along to his yep. own music in the background. What have you got for yep. us today, Dan? Well, hopefully with our two uh, debutants on the show today, we, we could actually have somebody getting one the trivia question correct. <laughs> <laughs> so the trivia today is, there are only three teams that have won, that have won the second tier and then the top tier in English football in consecutive seasons. So in other words, they won the second division and then the first division, as it was known then. It's been done in the Premier League era. So I'd like to know which of those three teams. Which of those three teams have won, can you say it again, which two divisions? So they won the second division and then the immediate following year they won the first division. Wow. Did you say three teams? Yep. Whew. Okay, guys. So in case you don't know how this works, we have a think about it during the next few segments. And at the end, we'll all give our answers. And so it's a fun game. And speaking of fun games, we are about to play. <laughs> the game of the take out of context and do what you want. The game of take out of context and do what you want. So, as you all know, I will play a few clips, and we've got a few this week. We've got about seven clips. So keep your answers quick. If you don't know, say, don't know. Here is the first clip. Well, I, I always criticise him because I like him. Yeah. That's, that's my nature. I'll criticise people 
and sometimes I go overboard because it sounds a little bit weird. Who is that and what are they talking about? Uh, sounds like Don Hutchison. Definitely Don. He's got an uncanny way of saying the most simplistic things, but <laughs> making them, but then standing back like like he said something really profound. Yes, so, so it is Don talking about why his marriages never last very long, and also how much he loves people like uh, like Paul Pogba. Okay, second one. See if you know what it is. I think. Uh... It's not really very easy to win against Manchester City. Who's stating the obvious there? Uh, is that Nuno, the Wolves manager? No. The manager of anyone? Sanjay Amor? West Ham? No, I'll give you a clue. Who's the, only team, who's the only team that's actually beaten City? Come on, guys. Chelsea, Chelsea. <laughs> you go. I thought you were, oh thought you were asking him more, so I was waiting for him to answer. Oh, anybody, anybody. <laughs> so who is oh, it, Tom? It's sorry, of course. Jesus. Jeez, don't have to apologise, but thank you for that. Okay, moving us on to the next one. See if we can do a bit better here. Persevered with plan A. Persevered, persevered. It's Dan Haswell. No, it's actually not Dan Haswell, but I thought I'd put it in there because music to his ears, someone persevering as plan A. Who do we think it is? Persevered with plan A. Persevered, persevered. Dion Dublin. Uh, um, well, it's got Dion Dublin, correct. And it was, was from the... Uh, the, the same game of the, as the previous clip. So what's he, what's he talking about? Talking about Pogba. What? No, actually, that's probably not what it is. It's it's about the United game. Nope. It's about the Chelsea Man City game. So I'm not sure what they persevered with. They persevered with something in that oh. game, but I didn't watch the game, so that one I can't answer. Close enough, Sanjay. Chelsea persevering with their tactics against City, their plan A, and getting it right, getting the reward. Okay, another one. Yes. Walk all the way to the other end of the field. <laughs> penalty. penalty to Huddersfield. Penalty yes, for who? Yes. For the opposing there team. There you go. For the opposing team. Uh, I'll stick with that one and it will come yes. in. You are. So it's Dion Dublin again. I'll give you that. What's he talking about? Penalty to the opposing team. What does he mean by that? No takers. It's obviously Dion Dublin again, but I'm not sure what he's talking about. Okay. He is talking. He's got a revolutionary uh, idea to stop people diving. He reckons if someone dives, then he gives a penalty to the other team. That's his strategy <laughs> about stopping oh, diving. Yeah. <laughs> what do you reckon? Reckon that can take off? Not a chance. <laughs> Let's see my last one. Well, how long have we got? Because, you know, this could be a, a Rashford loving. It's a new candidate here. Who, who, who is this voice? Well, how long have we got? Because, you know, this could be a, a Rashford loving. One of the best left backs in history. Oh, Lee Dixon. Oh, how, how did you know with that clue, Dan? 
Very well, very well guessed. Well, yeah, Lee Dixon. In Arsenal fans, there's left back. You know it is. <laughs> well done, buddy. So it is Lee Dixon, and I'll let you know what that one is. He is talking about, um, yeah, obviously he's, he's in his eyes, Rash has done everything he can to be starting for Manchester City, uh, Manchester United, sorry. Um, <laughs> and he doesn't know why Mourinho doesn't start him. You probably agree, don't you, Dan? He's been starting recently. The way it's been used is different, but yeah. Okay, it's a Wank of the Week segment, and this is where everybody picks, nominates somebody who they think is deserved of being the Wank of the Week. Currently, we've got about 15 people tied on one vote, so I'm not going to run through them all, but we might get a clubhouse leader soon. I think we'll kick it off with Con this week. Con, who's your wanker of the week? He's getting a second nomination, yeah, Pat. I think he might actually take up the title. But it is the Newcastle owner, Mike Ashley. Oh, okay. What's he done this week? Well, nothing. That's just it. <laughs> so Newcastle have now come out and said that it is still on the – or he's rather come out and said that, you know, the sale is um, high on the club's agenda but there won't be any Christmas presents as he first stated a few weeks ago that he's hoping to have a sale done before Christmas. Apparently there's accountants looking at figures, um, there's processes, they're doing due diligence. So, you know, he's pushed it back to a January sale, but it's still high on the agenda. So the false dawn has come again and Ashley will not be selling that club. I, I can put my, uh, put my money on that one and, he will still be in charge come the end of January. So Mike Ashley with the second vote. Wow. Do you think he's actually just, this is, he just strings the supporters along and, and just pretends he's going to sell it and then he doesn't sell it and he buys himself more time and he's done well, it before. I think 100%, either that or his expectation is just completely through the roof. And I think that might have something to do with it, um, what he expects to get out of the deal or what he's valued Newcastle at um, might be, yeah, far left of what they're actually worth. So between lying to the supporters and trying to get himself or line his pockets, he's basically just screwing everyone over and they're no closer to having anyone new come in there. Okay, nice one. We've got a clubhouse leader, Mike Ashley. Daniel, do you have anyone for us? I've nominee, and this week it's for Cardiff, Cardiff's manager, Neil Warnock. Oh, who really doesn't lose games very gracefully. Um, in, terms of, in terms of management, I think he's doing an excellent job. I mean, Cardiff are 16th, uh, which I think is excellent for what he's got to work with. But they lost 3-2 to, to Watford on Saturday. And, they, you know, they got a great game. We're maybe a, a bit unlucky. And, but then in the interview's end, I should have looked for the clip, actually. In the interview at the end, 
he's told the the interviewer that they've lost because he felt Troy Deeney slid into their keeper and should have got a yellow card. <laughs> yeah. That's, wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I really don't understand how that yellow card for Deeney sliding into their keeper would have changed the result whatsoever. But that was really that was really his comment. So I'm, I'm nominating him on the basis of that comment. Dan, Dan, you're really on a bit of a uh, a mission to to clean up the graciousness of managers, aren't you? I mean, last week Rafa Benitez for his being ungracious. This week for Warnock for being ungracious. Yeah, no, well, that's the thing. If 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 you if you lose, and you've got a reasonable moan, fair enough, have at it. But if you're going to make up something that completely makes no sense. Then you're just coming. You're just coming off looking like a wanker, to be quite frank. <laughs> Good one, Sanjay. Who's I've got your wanker. I've got two actually. Um, oh, gee, look, he's taking liberties on his no, first show already. <laughs> well, one one is <laughs> the obvious one, who I think is going to be Mourinho for me for this week with his comments about conditioning oh, of players and everything thank else. You, so, Sanjay, so, thank you, Sanjay. Thank you. Somebody <laughs> other than me. <laughs> so that was my first one. The second That's one his is second actually, vote, Sanjay. He moves well, to the top well, the, along with uh, Mike Ashley. Well, the second, the second one for me is actually because what I was saw it, what was what was it for? What's that? The the oh, that was for his comments of around conditioning of players and the injuries, etc. Um, you know, and you know, I don't know who he was trying to blame on that one. Whether it was the the fitness staff or whether he was trying to blame the players, or I, I'm not sure what he was trying to do in that one. But you know, out of all the excuses that he came up with, that was probably for me uh, the worst one for the day, especially you know with the formation that he put up. So that one for me was you know the first one. The second one is actually I'm um, not sure if you guys are following this, but I was so depressed with the football, I actually switched across to the cricket. And uh, I think Virat Kohli's, you know, antics with um, <laughs> with Tim Payne, I think, was the second nomination for me because I think he was trying to do everything to just wind up Tim Payne. I don't like, you know, uh, I, I think Kohli's a phenomenal player, but that's the second one for me, slightly unrelated to um, this forum in, in a way. Who does uh, Kohli, you know, who, who, who does play for? Has he been signed by an EPL team that we don't know? <laughs> no, he's not. No, but that was. I was so depressed with the football result. I needed to do something else to rather than watch a uh, rerun. There's the link. Rugby. It is. It is related. <laughs> it is related. Uh, I don't. I don't mind that, Sanjay. I mean, Coley was trying to. You said he's trying to wind up the Australian captain, and he ended up being the one that looked like a wanker, didn't he? That's. Oh, that was my opinion. Very good. Okay. Very nice. Amor. I didn't realize Australia was still playing cricket. You guys have been so quiet about it. Usually you're <laughs> shouting from the roof. I'm all wanker of the week. Yeah, definitely uh, go with someone in the cricket, but let's not talk about that, um, the umpiring in the cricket uh, specifically. But in, 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 in Premier League, look, I mean, I didn't really quite follow the league uh, very closely this, this, this week. Um, but going by some of the comments that some of the managers made, specifically Mourinho, I think I heard some comment that he, he said he, he's looking at, he's very tired looking at Robertson, uh, running at, uh, and then looking at, you know, Liverpool players playing at 200 miles per hour and so on. I mean, I mean, isn't that a comment from a wanker in the sense that, you know, what are you, what are you going on about? You, you've got to think about how you're going to try and win the game 
and this is after the game and and what you did well and what you didn't do well and and you're coming out with just you know just blatant comments such as you know that's that's what i'm going to give the media and that is i'm still tired just looking at robinson and how good uh, liverpool at running million miles an hour or something so i don't know i mean i think that's the only comment that i saw in the in the during the week which i thought was okay this is a top class manager and this, these are the comments he's making wow well we thought we had a bit of breathing space with Mike Ashley, wow. one ahead of Jose, but he's gone and bang, bang, and he's hit the lead. That's a great burst by our friend. Dan, Dan won't, won't be happy. I know that, but, but okay, we've got to go with these rules. Um, <laughs> my, get it my, my wank over the week, and this will surprise some, this is uh, Arsenal's young midfielder, Genduzi. Now, he's, he hasn't had a, the greatest week. I, I, I like him as a player. He's like a young 19, 20-year-old. He, he's just like a young kid chasing a ball around, and he's got this exuberance, this energy. He's a bit raw, but I, I, he's, he's good to watch. But he got away with – well, he didn't get away with it. Last week in the midweek, he did one of the most outrageous dives in the box. And it, it, it wasn't just – it was similar to the Madison dive that Daniel gave Madison a – a nomination for a few weeks ago, but but the thing which really annoyed me is that when he didn't get the penalty, he hopped up on his knees and he it was like behaved as though he couldn't believe it. He behaved it behaved as though he'd been completely wronged, and it was a blatant, deliberate dive. And I, I just for that he gets a wank. I'm a bit worried that he's getting a little bit petulant out there. He's one of those like one of these kids that get a little bit confident and then they start. Thinking, thinking they're more important than they are, and and so I'm a bit worried. He's just going the wrong way. His natural personality is coming out. I'm not sure I like it. So he gets my wank for the week this week. Genduzi, pull your head in. That's my advice for him. <laughs> I think everyone's done their wanker of the week. So it is time. Oh, this is going to be interesting. If if you've even managed to think about it in this jam-packed section. It's time for the answer. <laughs> yes, time for wanker of the not wanker of the week. Time for the what the football trivia answer. Can you repeat the question, Dan, and buy us a bit more thinking time? Yeah, I'm looking forward to your your guesses. So, what I want to know is there are only three teams in the history of English football that have won the second division and then the immediate season after that they've won the first division as well. Blackburn. Blackburn is not one of them. Um, Ipswich. Ipswich is not one of them either. Nottingham Forest. Not Nottingham Forest. Hmm. Preston Liverpool. <laughs> oh, he's guess he's guessing, then he's guessing right. Well, and Con Liverpool Liverpool are one of the teams. They are. Yeah. Preston North End. No. Port Vale. Not Port Vale. Sunderland. <laughs> Not Sunderland. Newcastle. Not Newcastle. <laughs> and I put you out of your misery. 
There's only 130 more teams to go, Look, guys. I got, I got one right, so I'm winning it. <laughs> oh, God. He was so unsure that his own club had even achieved this feat. Yeah, I think I can even tell you when it happened. It ha I think it happened in the 50s or 60s. Sounds about right. So the three teams are Liverpool, Everton, and Tottenham. Everton, wow. Very good, Dan. You got us, Con, the winner out of that one. Yay. Quite a, quite a feat that surely is never to be repeated. You can't really see that happening again. What, no, what Cocon winning the trivia again? That <laughs> <laughs> too. the premiership the following season. Okay, then, Amor, I would like to... Uh, ask you a question where, where do you being an Arsenal supporter where do you see Arsenal finishing this year oh god um so I did think about this uh, I, I got a question beforehand um look uh, my heart says it's going to finish in the top four but but the mind says no um uh percentage wise I'm, I'm almost 50 50 um uh, multiple reasons. I mean, there's there's been so many positives, and and just just for the record, guys, um, I'd like to ensure that everyone on this on this podcast knows as well. I've only been following football for the last four to five years. Thanks to Sanjay, he he, he got me into the into the game and, and started following the Premier League, and and Pat as well. Um, so it's not like I know a lot about the history and so on, but from whatever I've seen about Arsenal in the last few years, um. We we have there's been so many consistency there's so much uh, so many positives uh, this season that is uh, consistency uh, to start with which is uh, which I feel is key in, in finishing well on the ladder you know to string those those 22 games without a loss um, out of which they were like about 18 19 wins was is, is no small feat so that was fantastic uh, you've got the Emery effect you know people are, he's very demanding people are actually playing for him um, you know we're talking about Rashford and Martial earlier under Mourinho. You get those guys under Emery, perhaps, and even a Pogba under Emery, you, you'll probably see a different uh, different player. Because um, you just see his ethos um, and what you see even on the training pitch and, 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 the, and the rate that he wants his players to start uh, and the effort that he wants his players to start putting in even during training sessions is incredible. So, I mean, that's, there's a lot of things that are being said on, on the Arsenal app, um, which talks to that effect. Uh, we obviously got world class world class strikers, you know, uh, the bromance between uh, between Lacazette and Aubameyang is is on and off the pitch. Um, uh, those guys are absolutely lethal. They're they're fantastic. Uh, our midfield is pretty solid, but obviously the reason I say that uh, we probably might just not finish is because there are teams above us who have a better starting eleven to start with. We need them to slip. We need them uh, to slip in their games when they're playing Champions League, as an example. You know Tottenham and 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 Liverpool and 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 co. Not too worried about United, quite frankly, this season uh, for all sorts of all the all the discussion that we've had around them so far. But um, it's 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 the teams above us, and more importantly, our defence. Uh, we absolutely that's our weakness. And unless we sign a central defender in uh, during in January, I, I just can't see uh, us you know making that uh, making that top four position, perhaps. We might just fall short. Um, we, we've had too many injuries as well, of course. You know, Rob Holding's gone. Um, you know, so, so, you know, Bellerin went off in the last game, uh, injured as well. We and it goes to show our depth 
as well, uh, the depth of the squad, which I don't think is too bad in, in, the, in the front line as well as the midfield. But in, in the defence, which is already weak, um, having injuries to key players such as Mustafi, who has an on and off game, most of them, most of them off, but at the same time has strong leadership skills. And then, you know, playing a, we, we land up playing a Xhaka uh, in the defence. That shows Arsenal's weakness. And it was so apparent over the weekend. It was only one game, but that game showed a lot. Uh, we quickly have to fix that and we have to move on. And uh, I, I still think that, look, there is a 50% chance that we might make it, but uh, my mind says, no, we might just fall short. Because um, also another reason is that the focus that we have on the Europa League. We're not going to take that league lightly. Uh, Emery's favorite favorite league, and uh, we are going to go hard and try and win it. And uh, there's a long way to go still in the season. So uh, that's going to be very demanding for some of the players as well. Yeah, definitely. The, the Arsenal squad is not probably strong enough to be competing 100% in the Europa League, the league, and then also we're deep into the League Cup, but we have been playing a, basically a, a second team for that one, and we've got the FA Cup starting up soon as well. So, yeah, I, I don't think we're, we're geared to playing in all four comps. Um, what, what do you think of his team selection? Uh, especially, do, do you think, Especially, he's put a lot of faith in a couple of players like Guendouzi, Awobi. Um, they're, they're probably the two main ones he's put a lot of faith in who are quite young and raw. Do you, do you think that's well-placed? Guendouzi, I think, is good as a, coming on as a sub, probably not a start. Uh, is one thing that I've seen. I mean, Torreira and Jacques in the midfield is a no-brainer for me. Uh, Iwobi, again, had, had, had started the season well, and all of a sudden they were, you know, both Iwobi and Mickey. Uh, Mkhitaryan were playing well under Emery, uh, and, and that was making headlines for a long time. But just again, going going back to what their performance in the last two to three games, you know, uh, Mickey's just gone missing. Uh, he should have scored over the, on the weekend when he was one on one with the with the goalkeeper, uh, or running towards the goalie, and he had all the defenders behind him. Uh, it will be nowadays is like uh, you know he gets the ball, he's he's always thinking about okay, what am I going to do with it, kind of thing. He does have a lot of skills. He's got a lot of talent, of course, but you know, whether he does a step over or whether he passes and he loses the ball quite easily. So again, that's a bit of a worry. Maybe that's, again, it's part of the whole process as, as Emery calls it. Um, but, but at the same time, you, you've, you've, um, at Torreira, for example, right? Has fit, I mean, what a find, right? Uh, he's, he's absolutely, he's one of the best midfielders out there right now is his intensity, his ability to actually, uh, you know, win the ball back, make the, make the, the tackles, uh, make the right passes. Uh, they're just brilliant. So the, the Arsenal, for for getting slammed for so many uh, for the last few years in terms of yes, you know we're top, we're trying to make top four and 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 the consistency that was lacking. Quite frankly, under Wenger, what I saw was all his players. He kept moving them around. I never there was there was there was one snapshot in on Optus Sport about um, uh, Chamberlain and and uh, the Ox and how many positions he played under Wenger. It's, it was ridiculous. It was like nine different positions. And he kept moving players around. I mean, I could never get a grip of understanding of, okay, what are, what are these players good at? And or what are these players not good at? Whereas with Emery, you're seeing um, some players, wherever he's playing, he's getting the best of the abilities out. He's playing them in, uh, in certain positions consistently. Yes, he's still trying to figure it out, but some things are becoming more and more apparent. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think he's, he's got some faith in some players, but uh, it is, it is, it's, the Emery effect is great. Emery for Arsenal is fantastic, and I think, um, if not this year, we'll definitely make top four next year. Ah, very good. Yeah, he's definitely doing what 
Mourinho's trying to do in terms of picking players who he thinks reflect, play the way, play the style of game that he wants to be playing. And I think we've got to be patient because he may not have the quality of them uh, right now. I mean, I, I just look at look at Awobi and go, yeah, he's raw and he, he might get better. But gee, if we had like a, a Leroy Sane for argument on that left wing, having the opportunity to run at the defenders like Awobi gets, we would be so devastating. So it would be interesting to see what he does in the transfer window now and, and his mate and his and in the summer to see if see, see what positions he targets and see what 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 uh what what players he goes out and that these guys are part of my long-term plans and and which which guys aren't so yeah he hasn't had any time to mold the team so he'll he'll do that over the next couple of transfer windows i think thanks some more yeah. thank you very much no worries. No worries. i'd like to get people's thoughts on uh, on arsenal actually if you don't mind yeah, we do a bit of a bit of a round table. Is it? Um, yeah, why not? Okay. Dan, Con, Sanjay, Sanjay, I know. Yeah. Just quickly, as we go around the table, just give me the finishing position where you see Arsenal finishing at the end of this year. Con. Fifth. Dan. <laughs> he doesn't want Sixth. to say. Yeah, United <laughs> going to squeeze up there. <laughs> um, Sanjay. Outside the top four. Oh, you can't just say outside the Give us a number. Um, fifth or sixth. Oh, you don't want to say it either. <laughs> it's, the United, it's the United effect. They don't want to say it. No. Yeah. And I'm all, what are you saying? <laughs> yeah, I'm probably going to go with fifth if I was just to pick one right now. But uh, yeah, yeah, I'd probably go with fifth as well. Yes, Pat, I think Pat, I'm going to... I'll say this. The only team you could possibly catch, in my honest opinion, is, is, is Chelsea. I oh, I'm glad you said that. Most people say Spurs. I reckon no, I Chelsea, Spurs, Chelsea's a vulnerable one too. Yeah, I think mm. Chelsea are the most vulnerable. Spurs are solid. They'll get better and they'll finish. Uh, if if not any higher up, it, it'll be third for sure. Yep, agreed. I, I, yeah, I think we'll probably be fifth. We'll, we'll win the Europa and finish fifth, which will make it a good year. And we'll win the Carabao Cup as well, just for good measure. Okay, this brings us on to our... Basically, you're oh, doing it like you're United of two seasons ago. Yes, except we've got a long-term plan, as you say, Dan, and we uh, go executing it. Okay. Yeah, got him, yes. <laughs> um, but this brings us on to our last, and it's a new segment, this one. This is this is the uh, what, what people are going to get for Christmas segment. Um, this is our last uh, show for about a month. So we are taking a well-earned break over the Christmas period. And so we're doing a bit of a Christmas time capsule here. Each of us are going to give one prediction of what will, of, no, of something a little bit of left field about what, what will have taken place between now and when we return in late January. Who would like to kick us off today? Nobody. Well, I've, nom- <laughs> I've got to nominate. Got to nominate Daniel then. Okay, by late January. Mm-hmm. Uh, United will be. Yeah, I think they. They're... In relegation, they'll be nowhere. They'll be. They'll be in. Be in fifth overtaking Arsenal. <laughs> 
you've got a good run of fixtures coming up, but Arsenal do too. So it's going to be <laughs> hard to gain eight points on us. Well, nine, given you've got a zero goal difference at the moment. But anyway, nice prediction, Dan. I like it. Con, what's your prediction? Um, I think my prediction is by the time end of January comes, or at least after this festive season, I think Liverpool will still be top. Um, I think the massive game with City, yes. we will actually get a result, whatever that result may be. Minimum draw against City, you're saying, and that'll keep yeah. you top. I kind of see the table as is. Nice one. So, although it's not really sticking your neck out, saying that everything's going to be as is. Uh, well, I mean, that City game really does change everything, and we do play Arsenal, so I am kind of sticking my neck out because those are two massive games. Point taken, point taken. Amore, do you have a prediction? Are you on mute? I predicted them all would be off mute by the time. <laughs> we'll move on to Sanjay while Amor unmutes his microphone. Sanjay, what's your prediction? Well, my prediction is I think Spurs are seriously, quietly moving along into into a threatening position, considering I think they're only five points behind the leaders. So with points being dropped by either City or Liverpool, they might come into contention mm-hmm. by the time we come into January. Um, so, and they've got a squad which is stable and has been together for a number of years. So they're looking uh, threatening, surprisingly, considering half of them or more than half of them were at the World Cup. And I didn't expect them to be where yeah. they are at this point in time. Yeah, well, they sort of struggled a bit at the start from mm-hmm. in terms of sharpness, but they got the results. And I like that prediction. So if Liverpool and City draw, potentially Spurs could be within the game by the end of Jan if results go their way. Good one, Sanjay. Amor, you're off mute. Do you have a prediction for us, mate? Yeah, Arsenal will be top four again. Um, oh! That's what they got uh, for, for, for a period of time, uh, maybe a couple of weeks uh, ago, and uh, we'll be back in top four. We're, we're going to string a few wins together again, um, and we'll get back in the top four. Back in the top four by the end of Jan. Good one, mate. My prediction is that by the time we return... Paul Pogba will not be playing for Manchester United. Well, um, for that one, who's going to buy him? That's that's the interesting question. It is an interesting question. Yeah. So and and it's got an interesting answer, more interesting than what I'm going to give you because I don't know. But I'm sure yeah. someone's got an interesting answer for who PSG. will buy Paul Pogba. PSG. That would be good, and that makes sense. Some all it does make some sense. Uh, I mean, Arsenal's rumoured to be delving into... Uh, who's the... Uh, the Pepe, is that right? And who does Pepe play for? PSG. PSG. Oh, no, sorry. Uh, no? Uh, no, no. Pepe? Pepe? For... Yeah. No. Play for Lille? Lille, that's it. Leon. Is it Leon? Lille. Oh, Lille. Really? Is it Leon? Is this the... Leon. Which Pepe are we talking about? The is the Pepe... The Portuguese Pepe, or...? Or the striker. The striker has scored the most number of goals in the in League One, along with Mbappe. Currently, he's got the most number of goals. He must be at Lyon then. So this is uh, Nicolas Pepe. 
Is that his name? He plays for Lille, second place Lille. Yeah. It's okay. Really well done, Amol. Gee, I didn't know Lille was second place. So potentially, if you, they're getting big money, would they bring Pogba back? That's the only reason I I uh, bring that up, because there's normally a bit of musical chairs that happens in these sort of transfer windows. Would um, you but be yeah. able to see Lille, I mean, Lille, a team like Lille attracting Paul Pogba? Not normally, but if they're going to get 60, 70 mil from uh, Arsenal for, for Pepe, impossible. then uh, impossible. Yeah, yeah probably. Yeah. To, I actually thought it was going to be Leon that were the club. But anyway, may, but maybe one of the French clubs. Yeah, I, I think you're right, Amor. One of the French clubs is probably the uh, where he'd want to go, especially after success in the World Cup. He'd probably want to go back where he's comfortable and reignite his career. Um, I, I, but, but the reason is, going back to my... Uh, initial point. I, I just don't think it's tenable. I think, I think you can't go on for another, for the second half of the season and have, as you say, Sanjay, your star player just sitting there doing nothing and being a just potentially a disruptive influence there. And Mourinho obviously thinks he is. He sets a poor example from Mourinho's perspective. And as if if the club is backing Mourinho, the club will get rid of. Pogba, so Pogba can have the dressing room without any influence that Pogba may be having on it, and basically really set, but just just make a make a stand saying, listen, we've got rid of him. He he was possibly the best player in the world. We got rid of him because of his attitude. Now you guys better shape up a ship out. This is Jose's team. That's what I think Manchester United will have to do to turn this season around. With silence. Is he going to hang around at United or is he going to go by Jan as well? Ooh. Who is that? <laughs> Sanchez. Oh, I, I can't see any bias for Sanchez. Or... Oh, we've got a tight shirt in the Arsenal dressing room waiting for him. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't think the tight shirt. I don't think Arsenal have got enough in the in 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 the bank account to pay him. That's that's the biggest problem. Yeah, that, and that, and that is the golden question, isn't it, Sanjay? I mean, for Pogba and Sanchez to go and maybe be happy, mm. will they be willing to forego money? I don't think so. Make I don't think so. Not at this really? stage, especially in Sanchez's career, because he's coming towards the end of his career. So to sign a less lucrative contract at this point wouldn't make sense for him. Pogba maybe, but then it would have to be to guarantee trophies. And, you know, the only teams that can guarantee trophies these days are probably going to be a Real Madrid or Barcelona. Uh, a PSG, a Man City, um, and maybe a Juve. They're only those teams that would probably attract a Paul Pogba and might have the financial muscle to, you know, be able to pay for him. Uh, for Sanchez, you know, with, with what he's on at the moment, I don't think there's any team out there oh. who's going to pay him uh, the amount that he wants. Well, the question is whether you're going to be able to sell these guys for what you bought them for or, or higher. Well, for I mean, for Sanchez, we paid nothing for him. He was, um, you know, was traded for Mickey, uh, who had already got only two years left on his contract. So Mickey was signed for about 26, 27 million. So with half of his contract depreciated, uh, we'd probably say he was 14 million for transfer fee for Sanchez plus the wages. So it's the wages are a sticking point. So even if he sold on a free transfer this year, it's which club can actually afford to pay him for 500,000 pounds a week. Um, that's the question. And the only club that probably could do that outside England is PSG. PSG have got enough strikers out there. So I can't see Sanchez moving in this window, especially with the Chinese clubs who have tightened up their belts over the last year with the tax, the 100% tax that they now face. 
So I can't see any other club looking to get a Sanchez in at the moment. What about Paul Pogba? Well, if, 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 if United Pogba's are going to if United are going to sell Pogba and Sanchez, which is basically Mourinho's two biggest signings, first of all, it's a it's a mess. It'll be a massive admission from him then that he couldn't he couldn't get them to play for him, uh, and secondly, they have to back him by getting in, in new players, uh, and I just can't see that happening in January, especially when. The short term can can only be the Champions League now and uh, last sixteen ties with with PSG, and whoever you're going to sign now is going to be tied anyway for the Champions League. I mean, I mean anybody of of that sort of quality. So I just can't see how that would be uh, how the, that sort of move would make any sense. Because Mourinho's chance to save the season now is actually have a make something of the Champions League, where he's he's through the group stage really of a of a weak group. Um, if he can somehow beat PSG and make it to at least the quarterfinals, there's something for him to say. Well, look, you know, we're not actually that far off, but. Did, did, uh, I thought they'd change the cup tie rule then. I don't, I don't believe so. Okay, I thought there's a variation. I'll, I'll look into it before the next episode. And but great predictions, guys. We uh, we will replay these predictions at our next episode and see how well we did. Guys, thank you for joining us at the Christmas party. Um, thanks to our special guests Sanjay and Amal. Thanks, Pat, uh, for inviting us. Uh, hopefully, you guys can come on another time. And uh, Merry Christmas to you both. Merry Christmas to Con and Dan. Enjoy your time off, and uh, we will we will see you all Likewise. in a month's month's time when Arsenal are in the top four and Pogba has left. See you all. Cheers, <laughs> mate.